You're listening to the latest preaching from Brixham Community Church. Wow, so um, a couple of weeks ago we had a message in tongues right at the end of the meeting and maybe three weeks ago now and it was interpreted and um, I just felt like I'd, I'd been reading about Jehoshaphat in uh, 2 Chronicles 19 and 20 and there's one part which we won't get to this week because I'm preaching two weeks in a row so I've split my talk into two halves so you don't have to suffer for too long and um, there's one little phrase that just popped out to my mind about um, I don't even remember the, the exact wordage of it but it's about you listen to the prophets God's going to honour you because you listened to God and you believed the prophets and I just think sometimes we need to listen when God speaks and there were some important messages that were brought through that, mess- through that um, word and interpretation a couple of weeks ago. And I'll be bringing that back next week in more detail. But for now, let's just focus on the first line that was told to us. And that is, this is a time of preparation. Now you have to test and weigh up what you hear through prophecy because it comes through human beings and we all make mistakes and we all get it wrong and sometimes you'll have someone bring a word from the Lord and then they'll, without meaning to, with all good intention, they'll perhaps just carry on a little bit and they'll, you kind of have to think through, is it, which is from God, talk to the Lord, but there's, talk to the Lord about what you've heard and ask him what rings true in your spirit, but um, sometimes you just sense that God is speaking and that he's already been saying this thing that you've heard he's been saying it through other means he's been saying it through other people he's been saying it through the people in the congregation saying I believe this is a time of preparation well anyway if you don't know me there's a few visitors my name's John I've got one wife and two kids and one dog and that's about the size of our family but you know it's quite a difficult task sounds like a small family it's quite a difficult task to get the whole family in the car at the same time to go for a family day out. Two of them were playing instruments this morning, and you'll see they're teenage. And to get kids in the car at the same time, at any age, is difficult for different reasons. When they're younger, it's because they've just filled a nappy, uh, and you've just got to go back and change it. When they're older, it's because they've said they're ready, but they're not ready. And you're just trying to get... And do we have to go on this walk together? Do we have to do this thing together? But sometimes Andrea and I are fully determined to get a family day. We're going to have, sometimes we're going to have a family meal, radical though it is, with no devices at the table, no electronic devices whatsoever at the table. And we're going to have this meal together as often as we can. Do you know how hard it is to get four people that live under the same roof, that are under the same roof at the same time, just to get them around that table? But because we believe in that value, we are fully determined to make that happen but to do that you have to be fully prepared you have to think well so and so's always want to go to the toilet the last second and when they say they're ready just as they're about to leave for the car or come to the table they need a 30 minute time on the toilet I don't know what they're doing there are you on your phone in there you have to be fully prepared for these things you have to know what to expect you know I just feel like as a church I'm going to want to speak to you as individuals because I know God's doing things in your lives. I've been talking to you and I thank God for the three testimonies we had early, the four testimonies. There are many more. There are people who have said to me in the week how 
and in the last week before, how beneficial it's been just to have that focus together of 21 days of prayer. Sam said to me yesterday, why are we doing 21 days of prayer? Aren't we supposed to pray every day? And I said, well, you weren't listening, Sam. I'm used to this. (laughs) It's an intensified, just pray a bit more than you normally would. So if it's zero, just up it to something. And if it's 10 minutes a day on average, double it if you can. It's just a bit more. And you go, oh, right, yeah. And now that was, he, he was asking, that, asking me that question on day 21. <laughs> now you know who it is who spends 30 minutes in the toilet. <laughs> on day 21, he asks about what is the purpose of this 21 days of prayer, Dad? Anyway, so... Um, as a, as, a, as a congregation, I, think, I, think God, I feel God is moving us forward, but also as individuals, I've had people telling me how beneficial it's been just to set the clock that little bit earlier. And I could have had many more testimonies. So you've got a selection of stories, some of them just real-life stories of just God's helping me. God's helping me get a train on time. God's helping me, and there's this just sense of his presence. There's a few of you have been saying, I'm not going to say everybody, but there's a a, a good number of you saying, I've just known God's presence in a new way. Well, isn't that wonderful? If just one of you felt like that, that would be great. And, you know, last week I was saying that you're in the last week now, you're going to dip. It's just like anything that's a discipline, like a New Year's thing. Let's step it up this week. And for me, I'll be honest, I've had a bit of a, a, bit of a dip. It's been difficult for me. And, you know, sometimes when you do these things, you get attacked. And so as individuals, I want to encourage you just to keep going. And I was thinking, praying, what, what would be a good way to end this 21 days of prayer would be why not use it as a springboard for a prayer focus for February and so I've been praying about it and I've been um, I've had this story in the Bible on my heart for quite some time and I knew I wanted to talk about it if you remember four weeks ago when we three weeks ago when we launched this I, I said I'll be preaching and there might be some testimonies I hope there will be I knew that I had to talk on this story and as I've prepared this week I've realized I'm going to talk for two weeks on this on this story and the prophecies that have come and the, the words that I feel the Lord is saying to us have become, are starting to, to take shape even more. And so I feel like as individuals, God is moving us forward, but as a group of people, as a company of believers, God has got some plans for us in BCC. And I like Amy's picture that she had from the Lord for her own life, that there's this book with 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 blank page beautiful book I like that it was a beautiful book I love that and um, you're going through the pages and they're blank and they're blank and then there's writing at the back and, and God's saying don't jump to that yet I've got some stuff to do I've got some right I've got uh, your story isn't yet written there's some things that you need yet to do I believe that's true for us as a church I really really do so this message is for you as an individual in your daily walk with Jesus and it's for us as a church. One phrase that's come through a few people and come back to me through various things as I've read as well is a phrase inside out. And God wants to work from the inside out. Some people say to me, God, why aren't we... God, they don't say God. Some people say to me, John, why aren't we doing this, that and the other as a church? And I feel bad. I feel like, yeah, I should have organised that and we should have been doing that better and we should have been out there and the more I've sought the Lord about it, I felt like we, some of you are going to really, some of you who are doers 
are more task-orientated than others are going to be frustrated here because I feel like God is saying, just spend some time on the inside first. And so the prayer focus for February is going to be a, a, a really non-tangible thing. You know, it could have been, let's pray for the haven for all of February. And Karen would have loved that, the drop-in centre for the homeless. I just feel like the prayer focus for February needs to be, God, prepare my heart. Prepare my heart for what you're going to do. Because if what you said on three Sundays ago is true, we're going to need to be ready. He's preparing an oasis for people to come to. And, it, and it, if what God said is going to happen, this room will be filled with people on a Sunday morning. And we need to be ready for that. And the preparation isn't having a great Sunday school and better coffee and a good rotor that makes sure there's always somebody on the door and ready. The preparation the Lord is telling me, I believe, to share with you is prepare your heart. Because what, is, what are these new converts going to find when they sit next to you and say, how long have you been a Christian? Can you give me some advice on this, that or the other? What are they going to find when they talk to you? How deep a well have you dug in your own life with the Lord? Because if we have an influx of new believers, which is what I've been praying for for a very long time, I can't disciple them all. I can put on some really good how to live for Jesus classes. I've done it before with the youth, taking them through a book called How to Live for Jesus. I can put on some classes, but I can't walk with everybody. That's what we're all doing. He's raising up an army of believers. The, the message for, for, for February is, Lord, prepare my heart. See if there's anything in me. So that's the spoiler. That's the conclusion. Just wanted to get it all out there at first, and then I can talk us through the story, and you know where I'm going with the story. Uh, and I want to, it's a great story. Many of you will know it if you've been in church life long enough. Um, the, the, the main message that's usually preached on, I'll get to next week, is where they, they've got this battle going on and they put all the singers out front, which just makes no sense at all. I mean, I can imagine Dave Perkin as a soldier. You know, he's, he's big and he's tough. And uh, I was looking at his hand, hands last week and each finger is double thickness of mine. You know, he's just like a, he's just a real bloke, you know what I mean? I can imagine him fighting in the army, but he plays the guitar so well, left-handed. He plays the guitar so well. And you just imagine this army with Dave Perkin and his flip-flops because he loves to wear flip-flops in the summer, you know. It's not army wear, is it? It's not army stuff, but he's got the spiritual armour on. So it's a great story, we'll get to it next week, where they put, the, they put the worshippers at the front of the army, ahead of the army, on the front line. It's ridiculous. And they don't have to fight at all. They have to stand. And there's some wonderful parallels, if you, if you know Ephesians 6, verses 10 to 20, some wonderful parallel, parallels with, with taking your stand on the day of evil and not having to fight this battle because God will fight for us. We'll get to all of that, but I think an oft-neglected section of the story is in the prior chap previous chapter, chapter 19, where Jehoshaphat, the king, begins to prepare the nation. And he doesn't prepare the nation by building up the army. He prepares the nation by turning people back to God. So we'll start there. I'm going to talk about being fully prepared, firmly determined, and being a family united. 
And that's what God's plan for this church is. Got a little map on the screen. It's not very clear because of the sun shining, and we're very glad for the sunshine, so I'm all right with that. Um, but on the right, you can see the, the Dead Sea and Jerusalem I've put on there. It's actually just a screenshot from Google Maps, so that's what it's like today. And um, well, I'll show some more towns very soon. It says, in Jehosh- it says in 2 Chronicles 19, Jehoshaphat, the king, lived in Jerusalem and he went out again among the people. Well, that's a good sign of a king, isn't it? He went out among the people. And what did he do? Was he just putting on his royal robes and waiting for them all to worship him? He went from Beersheba to the hill country of Ephraim and turned them back to the Lord, the God of their ancestors. This was a time of preparation. This is what he was getting his people to do. He appointed judges in the land. That was to make sure people were doing things. They didn't have any form of communication like we have today. So he put judges in the land to make sure people were doing things God's way. It's so easy to get led astray by the gods of the, the surrounding nations. And so he made sure there were people stationed in each town to follow the Lord and make sure people followed the Lord. Skipping a few verses, it says, In Jerusalem also... Jehoshaphat appointed some Levites. Now, the Levites were a clan, uh, a tribe, sorry, of, of Israel. And their whole job, the whole tribe, their job was to uh, facilitate the worship of, of Israel. So he appoints worship, worshippers in Jerusalem, the capital city. Priests and heads of Israelite families to administer the law of the Lord and settle disputes and they lived in Jerusalem so he's he's establishing justice through the through the group that um, that facilitate worship and justice and worship flow together and they lived in Jerusalem so he's he's sort of up leveled the Levites so if you go back through Israelite history you'll see there are times where the Levites weren't even um, doing things the way God wanted. The priests weren't doing the things the way God wanted. But here, we've got a king who's establishing worship, he's establishing justice, he's adhering to the law of the Lord, and he's getting the country right. He's preparing them for uh, something that he doesn't even know is going to happen. He's about to be taken by surprise, but he's, but he's ready he gave them these orders. I love this line. That he, these are the orders to the priests, the Levites, and the judges. You must, you must serve faithfully and wholeheartedly in the fear of the Lord. I just believe that is a message to some of us this morning. Are we serving him faithfully and wholeheartedly? That's 100% of me is given over on the altar to God. And it's a challenge to myself as well. It's very easy to give God 99% and hold something back. And sometimes it's easy to do it without knowing. So, you know, that's why I like the psalm that I'm going to finish with, Psalm 139, the last two verses, search me and know me and see my anxious thoughts and see if there's any way in me that's um, that's, that's not pleasing to you and lead me in your way everlasting so um, there are there are times in your life where you'll recognize you'll look in the rearview mirror and think gosh I wasn't wholehearted um, and there are also times 
in your life when you'll just know deep down inside. In fact, even right now as I speak, there are people just sensing that there's just something God wants you to give up because we're meant to be living sacrifices and that's our pleasing worship to him. So he tells them to serve faithfully and wholeheartedly in the fear of the Lord. And that, for me, was the preparation. So that's chapter 19, summarised, really. Um, Then we go to chapter 20 of 2 Chronicles, and that's where it all starts to kick off. It says, after this, the Moabites, you can see Moab, bottom right, and the Ammonites, you can see Ammon, top right, um, with some of the Meonites, we don't actually know who they are, some think they're part of a tribe, and one of them too, some people, scholars have placed them all sorts of places, but it doesn't really matter. Uh, And some of the Meonites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. After this, have you ever noticed that when you draw near to God, the Bible's so good, it tells you that when you draw near to God, he draws near to you. But have you also noticed that the enemy gets a little bit annoyed too? Has anybody experienced that over these 21 days of prayer? That as you've drawn near to God, all hell breaks loose in your life. We've experienced that. I've talked to other people who've experienced that. After this, I wonder, I can't speculate really, but I wonder if these Ammonites and Moabites actually wouldn't have even bothered with Jerusalem if Jehoshaphat hadn't put worship right and put justice right in the land. It's almost as if the enemy was threatened and didn't like it. Goliath comes out when the, when the enemy feels vulnerable. After this, the Moabites and Ammonites with some of the Meonites came to wage war. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already at Hazazon Tamar, that is En Gedi. En Gedi means uh, spring of the goat. Just thought I'd let you know. Um, it's, it's an oasis. It's quite desert-like all around. And then there's this massive gorge and there's a waterfall. You can go there today. Um, not right now, but please stay for the duration of this talk. But you can go there today and there's, there's like a nature reserve. And I only know this just by clicking on Google Maps and finding it. And you click on it and people write reviews. And somebody said it's like heaven on earth. And so it's obviously you've got a lot of desert land around you and hills. It's a perfect place for an army to rest and um, gather and water and all that sort of thing. So that's where they are. They're already there. In fact... Um, Google Maps tells me that it's 14 hours and 17 minutes to walk from Jeru- to Jerusalem. Now, whether it would have been then, and that would be the kind of route you'd take. 14 hours, 17 minutes. So some people come and told Jehoshaphat they're already at En Gedi. And Google Maps says it's only 14 hours, 17 minutes. But of course, the unions say you're not allowed to march non-stop, so they have to have rest breaks. I reckon they'll be here within three days alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. The the, the NLT says Jehoshaphat um, was not just alarmed, he was terrified. And... um, I just kind of feel like sometimes 
this is what happens to some of us. We draw near to God. We try and, we, we try and wake ourselves up from our spiritual deadness. We, we, we've got our ticket to heaven. We're Christians. We go into heaven. Everything's fine. And we're tootling along with life. And then we just think, no, there's more to life than this. I'm going to dig in. I'm going to read the word. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray in tongues. I'm going to seek God. I'm going to look for more. I'm going to pray that God would move in this town. I'm going to pray that God would move in my life. I'm going to set my clock a bit earlier. And then some, something happens and we become alarmed. And even though the Bible says fear not many times and it says I have no fear of sudden disasters in the Psalms and all that sort of thing, something comes and in the natural you become terrified or alarmed. We've all been there. In fact, some of us might be feeling that right now. There might be something, you've dragged yourself to church, but deep down underneath there's something going on in your life and you're just terrified of the consequences. I didn't expect that news. This new information has now meant that I am not, I can't do this. I can't do this, God. But what I like is, he was also fully prepared because he did all of chapter 19. He'd got his heart right Although when the day of alarm came, the day of terrified things came, or terrifying things came, he was ready. He put his nation right. And because he was fully prepared, when he called a fast for all of Judah, they were ready. If he hadn't have been doing everything in chapter 19, I don't think they'd have all turned up. Because he's already gone through. He's turned them back. Remember that phrase from chapter 19. He turned the people back to God. That means before chapter 19, they weren't with God. They weren't following God's ways. So if he hadn't done that, and then he calls a fast for all Judah, and, and says, well, let's all meet in Jerusalem, everyone who can, it'd have got a, perhaps a 20% turnout. It'd have had some people say, I'll, I'll go down and see what this Jehoshaphat's, what do you think of, I don't reckon much of him, let's just go down. He's called a fast, well, I don't know, let's go and have a look. But because of the preparation, he's got people's hearts towards God. So when the, when the day of terror comes and when the day of evil comes, as it says in Ephesians 6, when the day of evil comes, you've got your armour on. You've got the breastplate and all those good things on. And you're ready. So you do feel terrified at times, but actually you're seeking God. So the first thing he did, he was fully prepared. The second thing is, he was fully determined. And the family were united. The family of God came together. They all came together. And what I really like is, um, the people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. And it also says later on, that there was men, there was women, there was children, and there was little ones. Even something like those, we'll see it in a minute. There were little ones there. It's good to keep your children involved in worship, even in the early stages. Get them involved. Get them part of what's going on. And, uh, and, and if they can see that there's something going on in your life where uh, there hasn't been some sort of attack, you don't have to make it sound too spooky and say, oh, the devil is attacking us and make the make him miss sleep and stuff, but you can at least say, look, we're going through a tough time, but we're seeking God about it. And when we pray around the dinner table, because we are meeting around the dinner table at least once a month, to, uh, to meet with no devices, we're going to pray together. When we just say grace over the meal, saying, God, could you please help us out with this problem? And get the children involved. They came together, the family 
were united. They were of one accord. Last week we had a, a good uh, go through all the different, or many of the different times in the Bible where the, the Christians were of one accord and the phrase is that they were together with one purpose and one mind. And when Christians are unified and not divided, the devil doesn't stand a chance. God is infinitely bigger than his enemy, than our enemy. So the, the maths just doesn't stack up for the enemy because God is infinitely bigger and infinitely more loving of, of you, his children. He looks at you and says, my beloved, don't worry. Look to me. It's going to be okay. Just seek me with all your heart. But get together as one accord because the enemy wants to send division and disunity and discord and disagreement and divide and conquer. But if we get these three areas right, we get fully prepared in our own personal lives and we say, all through February, we're going to say, Lord, we're going to, some of us are going to continue setting our clock that little bit earlier. So actually, it's not earlier anymore. It's the new normal. And we're going to continue with our, our prayer time. And in those moments, if, we, if we're doing the P-R-A-Y, praise, repent, ask and yield, in that yield time, or even in the, in the repent time, we're going to be saying, Lord, just prepare my heart for what you've got coming. Prepare me, Lord. Let me not be taken by surprise by a great move of your Holy Spirit. Let me not be found wanting. We're going to be fully prepared. We're going to be firmly determined. We will be united together. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard. And he said, and then we have this long prayer, which I thought I'd skip for sake of time, but he, he, he praises God. He says, God, you're the creator, you're amazing, and, and now these armies have come. So he starts with praise, and then he moves on to the problem. Uh, and then he says, verse 12, we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do. Isn't that humility of a, a king to say that in front of all his people? Imagine the queen in her queen's speech saying, we have had a bumpy year and frankly we don't know what to do. But let's all seek the Lord. And that'd be great actually. But it'd take great humility for a king, for a monarch to say, we don't know what to do. It's not great leadership really, is it? But, but, and Jan brought this phrase out in her testimony, keeping my eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Keeping our eyes fixed on him. When we meet the day of evil, when whatever your day of evil is, when the, the day of alarm comes, uh, the, the day you are terrified, when that report comes through and you feel physically shaking... You fix your eyes on Jesus. You fix your eyes on the infinite creator of heaven and earth. Even if you're the king of the greatest nation, God's people, you still have to say sometimes, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are fixed on Jesus. And that is what we need to be doing, all of us. My eyes 
are fixed on you. As a church, we're fixing our eyes on Jesus. We're not introducing to you, as a leadership team, some new, clever, slick program that's going to um, win people over. We've not got some clever marketing program or scheme. We are just saying, as a group, we are going to seek the Lord with all of our hearts. It says in the scripture, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Jehoshaphat told those priests and Levites to serve the Lord faithfully and wholeheartedly in the fear of God. And that's our strategy. That's our strategy as a church. That's what we believe as a leadership team should be the strategy in 2020. We're believing it's going to be a pivotal year for this church. We don't even know how or why. It's just a sense in the spirit that it's a pivotal year. It's an important year. It's a significant year. And God is on the move. Don't miss out by carrying on as you were if you're just tootling through life in your Christian walk. Heaven bound and happy, but not digging in, not digging the well deeper and seeking God in the closet, in the private place. Our eyes are on you. All the men of Judah, with their wives and children and little ones, stood there before the Lord and sometimes that's what we're going to do the band will have been playing a little while and we're just going to stand there like Mark said let's not rush on let's just stand there before the Lord and sometimes God's going to speak individually silently and sometimes God's going to do things that we've never seen him do before and people who've come in for the first time are going to experience something that is more than just a really cheesy welcome and brilliant coffee and, make them, that will make, and, and great games out there and make them think, oh, I'll come back to that church because it's, it's warm on a Sunday. <laughs> it's going to be the power of the Holy Spirit at work that's going to draw people, stirring men's hearts, calling people to repentance, calling them, you know, we won't have to say anything. They'll be just saying, what must I do to be saved? Because the Holy Spirit is moving. Because there's such a, a, a spirit of prayer, and I mean by spirit, I mean like an attitude of prayer about this church, just praying for people. They're just going to want to know God. All the men of Judah and their wives and children and little ones stood there before the Lord. I just think that's a beautiful picture. I really do. I really do. I, I actually think it's a picture of heaven. All of us, all creation, young and old, standing before God. And in this little three-line passage, I see the family united. Look at the plurals. It says, in the assembly of Judah. And when Jehoshaphat speaks, he doesn't say I. And when he says we, it's not the royal we. It's we as a nation, and he talks about us and we and our eyes are on you. It's the family united. But it's also we're firmly determined. My three points, family united, firmly determined and fully prepared. None of this would have happened, I don't believe, if chapter 19 hadn't happened. I really believe that. I really believe that if, if he hadn't gone through all the people in chapter 19 
walking through the hill country and from Beersheba to Ephraim or whatever it says, I don't even know where those places are. Going from town to town, turning people. I wonder what he did. I wonder what it was like. I wonder if he had to beat down some idols and, and some Asherah poles and some, some Baal statues and stuff. I wonder if he had to preach on the, on the street corners of the, of, the, of the towns he visited. But he, all it says is he turned the people back to God. I reckon the Holy Spirit was at work in that time. And God knew exactly what was coming. It was a time of preparation. And that's just the quote at the bottom is just reminding us what Jehoshaphat did, what I was talking about. And that's where I want to leave it today. I wonder if someone could go and find the band and we're going to sing one more song. That's where I want to leave the story today. We'll get into the fun side of where the enemy all end up killing themselves and there's all this plunder. But today, today I just wanted to focus on those three areas of being fully prepared, firmly determined and, and family united. But I'll give you a plot summary, if you like, so you, you can come back next week and hear the rest of the story. So far, we've done the first three lines on that screen. It says, God's people turned back to him. That was in chapter 19. And then the enemy attacks. But what do God's people do? Because they've turned back to him, they know what to do. They, they seek him. And then God speaks. That's the bit you're going to hear next time. A prophet will come out of nowhere and prophesy what will happen. An ordinary guy, not a famous prophet, only mentioned really there in this story. God speaks. But when God speaks, the people obey because they're already prepared and they've been seeking him, so they choose to obey and he delivers them and so they, they worship him. But in his deliverance, in that second to last line where God delivers him, there is plunder. It takes them three days to remove all the, all the goodies that they get from plundering these armies, this vast army. And so if you just summarise the things that the people had to do in those areas, in those times, there was a time of repentance. Re to repent means to turn around. It means to change direction. And maybe that's what some of us need to do in this, in this month of February where we're going to be saying, Lord, prepare my heart. Maybe we need to repent. Carry on with that four-part prayer of praise, repent. And just spend some time saying, Lord, just show me. If there's anything I need to say sorry for. And I, it's something that, perhaps it's one of the things that I've done more this month than any other month in my life, just because I've had that format to follow. It's reminded me just to ask the Lord. And sometimes I have just had to say sorry to God for not trusting him enough with a certain issue I've been worrying about in my own mind and, and getting adrenalized about something and say, why, why didn't I trust? Sorry, Lord, sorry I didn't trust you. Time of repentance, a time of prayer, a time of obedience. Maybe in that, that why part of prayer, pray, uh, praise, repent, ask and yield, where you just sit in silence, like Mark said. It's so easy to talk and talk and talk to God, but sometimes we've just got to sit in silence and listen. Read a scripture and just sit quietly. Maybe there's something he's nudging you to do and, and it's an act of obedience, but it's also an act of sacrifice, so it's, it's not easy to do. Maybe that's what God's asking us to do. Or maybe it's just getting that time of worship. 
You know, we've got so many resources now. You can listen to worship music from various different places. You, you don't even need to um, go and buy a CD. You can get on YouTube or whatever. Some, some of you can. Most people in Brixham are on the internet now. It's incredible to think. Um, there are ways you can, you can worship. You can be led into worship. Maybe that's what God's asking you to do. I know a few people who've said, the Lord is just asking me to worship him in my quiet times. And out of those times of worship, he's revealing things to me. And as I draw near to him, he's, the, the more of my heart I'm giving him, the more he's showing me of his heart. Isn't that incredible? The more of my heart I'm giving him, the more he's showing me his heart, his heart for other people, his heart for me. So I'm saying our prayer focus is prepare my heart. And in Psalm 139, it says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. If all you do for the rest of February is just read those two verses in addition to your prayer time, and you mean them, that's just going to be amazing. And what's really good about it is we're all doing it. So it's this kind of united prayer. We might not all be in the same room at the same time. I do encourage you to get to William's and Christine's house uh, on a Tuesday for the prayer meeting. I do encourage you to come on Wednesday for our prayer meeting and Bible study. But when you can't do that, just to know that your brothers and sisters in the same church are all praying, prepare my heart. There's faith in that prayer because you're pre you don't prepare for nothing. You prepare for something. Otherwise, you've got this phrase, all dressed up and nowhere to go. You're prepared, but what's the point? When you're saying prepare my heart, there's an act of faith because you prepare for something. And what's really exciting, we don't really know what it is. Specifically, God's going to do. There's just a number of us sensing God's going to move, and we better be ready. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit brixham.church.